Boom. There we go. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. How are we doing? every week. I know that there's no audience there, no only got a, a few people and whatever, but I'll try and build it up. If it, I reckon that if I, I reckon that if I remain consistent, which is my problem, I'd be able to do this. And um, we'd be able to, you know, people like me and you and others will be able to <coughs> have a wee voice. I'm going to be interviewing someone very soon. Um, I'm hoping to interview uh, Jerry Carroll from People Before Profit. So my good buddy Pete is a friend of his, a fellow union man, activist, and uh, so I'm hoping to interview him real soon. So okay, let's well, let's do this. Let's do this. We'll turn this down. Let's get okay. There we go. We're on. We're on. And we're on. And we're on. Okay. There we go. So. Welcome to the live stream, everybody. I will uh, put this up as a podcast. Ooh, don't like that light. It makes me look a bit funny. Let me see if I can change that. There. That's a bit better. There we go. That's a bit more. Look a bit more human. Um. Welcome to the live stream. I hope you're all well. This Wednesday, the 9th of June already. At least we got we're getting some nice weather. It's really good. Uh what's going on with me? Not much, really. Uh we've got a gig coming up, we'll talk about that later on. That's gonna be my final thing that I'm gonna talk about. About the live music situation in here in the north of Ireland. And um Yeah. I'm absolutely fucking exhausted these days. I just I don't sleep very well. I never did. Always had a bit of a sleeping problem. But then with two two year olds that we've borrowed or fostered um, he was up at 5 o'clock in the morning I know for some people that's that's normal I said that to my my, my brother's uh, partner Regina she gets up at 5 o'clock every morning and um, she sort of laughed I says yeah but I'm a musician I'm a rock and roll, rock and roll musician I don't go to bed at, at 8 o'clock I go to bed at 2 in the morning that's my normal my normal thing, but obviously with kids you can't do that. My 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 own kids are all grown up. They're big, so I'm gonna have to figure some new shit out. <laughs> There's nothing else for it. But so yeah, so my wee bit wiped out these days, but we'll get there. So like, share, subscribe, everybody, please, if you would, if you'd be so kind, it would be awesome. Um. If you want to head over to the YouTube, there's a little chat box, and you can talk to me, say something, try to be nice. If you would, that would be great. So, okay, let's do this. Let's let's fucking do this. So, I'm going to hit a few stories real quick, and this one is interesting to me. I didn't know this. Well... I say I didn't know it. Somewhere in the back of my head, 
this story exists. And there it is up on the screen, you can see. Uh, son of Belfast-born man elected as president of Israel is following his father's footsteps. So what does this mean? So this was reported in the Irish News on the 9th of June, which is today. No, well, that can't be right. I'm pretty sure I saved that a few days. No, 2nd of June. Uh, why did I say the 9th of June the top of my thing? Irish News today is the 9th of June. The article was printed on the 2nd of June. Um, Let me just send a quick message here. Sorry, everybody. Uh, oh, it's quiet. Okay. I'm not bother. So, here we go. Yeah, this was in, this was interesting. I I I I didn't know this. As I said, somewhere in my head is the <clears throat> the story did exist, but I can't I can't claim with a hundred percent certainty that I was aware of this. But here we go. I'll read it real quick. We're not gonna we're not gonna linger with this one. This was written by Susan McGonagall. <clears throat> Pardon me. The son of a Belfast man who was elected president of Israel has followed in the footsteps of his father after being elected to the post today. So, as you may or may not know, um, Benjamin Netanyahu is being oisted, oisted, right? And there's a little bit because he's he's going to, he's being pulled through the courts, and that whole thing recently with the uh, the attacks on Gaza. That was, a lot of people, including me, suspect that that was because it was a distraction from domestic issues for Benjamin Netanyahu. And he was being dragged through the courts. And it served to just do, and apparently, I read a few polls um, from, uh, what do you call Harrods, the paper down there, and it worked. It distracted people. Well, they almost started World War Three, so fucking would distract you a bit wouldn't it so here we go so anyway so Isaac Herzog's father Chaim I think that's a, that's how that how that's pronounced if it's, if it's not forgive me C-H-A-I-M Chaim was born in Belfast in 1918 and was Israeli president in 1983 died in 1997 he was regarded as the most well known Jewish person to come from Northern Ireland and served as president until 1993. <coughs> Pardon me. An Ulster History Circle blue plaque, which had been erected at the former Herzog home on Clifton Park Avenue in North Belfast, was removed in 2014 following repeated attacks. Now Mr Herzog's son, Isaac, has followed in his footsteps to become president. Now, let me explain, for those of you that aren't, from here or, or, or don't understand what that means uh, following repeated attacks on the blue plaque right uh, North Belfast is generally considered an Irish nationalist area so hold on I'm just going to have to send a message to my wife to tell the children to shut up because I can hear them.
Nope, I'm ring her because I can't, I can't stand this. Live phone call. Here we go. Yeah. Oh God, gif gaff voicemail. Fucking hell. Right, I'm gonna send a text. And over the microphone. There we go. Hopefully that works. I don't know if you're going to be able to hear it going over the thing, but I can hear it here. I can hear it there up in the bathroom, getting ready for bed. And I can hear them shouting down here in my studio. Goddamn professional, supposed to be. So, that, so onwards. So, uh, Mr. Get his name right. Uh, Herzog's father was born in Belfast, and there was a blue plaque. And in recent times, that they took a blue plaque down because... There was a tax on the on on the blue plaque. North Belfast, where the blue plaque, where the home was sit, was situated, is an Irish nationalist area. Irish nationalists identify with the plight of the Palestinians and see the Israelis as being uh, a historical uh, conjunct of the British and a parallel run parallel with the British, as in. They're the they're the occupiers, and the Palestinians are the occupied. We are the occupied, the Irish, and the British are the occupiers. So we don't we tend tend to in Ireland uh, have a lot of sympathy. We do have a lot of sympathy with with the with the plight of the Palestinians because there is a, there is an obvious parallel there to be drawn, and which is weird enough. The loyalists obviously have a part, and the unionists have a. Have a Sympathy on a parallel with the Israelis, and they they have a, a, a strong relationship b- between the two. Uh, and in case anyone tells you, it says that it's anti-Semitism. It is not anti-Semitism. It is anti-Zionism. They are not the same thing. Um. So. Right, so onwards with the article. The 60-year-old is a former head of Israel's Labour Party, an opposition leader who unsuccessfully ran against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in the 2015 parliamentary elections. He served as head head of the Jewish Agency, a non-profit organisation that works closely with the government to promote immigration to Israel for the past three years since resigning from Parliament. So he's working with the, the Jewish Agency, working closely with the government to promote immigration to Israel. So that's the settlers that are going into. So uh, an, uh, a Jewish fellow from New Jersey goes and just takes a Palestinian's house and that's what he's been working on. Good man, eh? Fucking prick. Uh, he will hold office for a single seven-year term starting July 9. North Antrim MP Ian Paisley said he hoped Mr Herzog would revisit Northern Ireland soon after a previous trip in 2018. I wish to congratulate my friend and grandson of Belfast's Isaac Herzog on his election to the presidency of Israel, he said. Isaac has a great pedigree. His father was a Belfast boy who helped form the state of Israel and became its president. Now bears witness to the second generation to succeed that post. I wish him well as he handles the most difficult situation in Israel. I hope to see him back in Belfast. So, there we go. Yeah, all fucking horrible, all monsters. I wish they would fucking.
and stop being monsters, but they're not. <clears throat> so that's that. That's what I just wanted to share that one with you. So what's next? This made me laugh my ass off, and I'm sure it will you too. It's kind of funny. It's not totally funny. Because it does represent a shocking. Let me move that, see if I can get that sized correctly. There we go. It does represent the shocking waste of public money. So it's an article that was in Yahoo News, but I think it was it was a, it was originally on the Telegraph. So new British tanks, so the MOD, the British Ministry of Defence. New British tanks costing 3.5 billion, not each, the whole thing, the whole, all of them, the, the, the complete project, cannot be driven safely over 20 miles an hour, reveals a leaked report. <laughs> I don't know much about tanks, but I'm going to suggest that that's, that's not good. You're going to, yeah, you, one imagines that in the world of tank uh, being able to go over 20 miles an hour is pretty much fucking essential so but it's actually worse than that because I've, I've read this article from, from top to bottom because it is so funny so here we go a new fleet of tanks Bought by the army for £3.5 billion cannot be driven safely over 20 miles an hour, a leaked report has revealed. Military chiefs have been warned that the new Ajax armoured fighting vehicles pose safety risks to soldiers if they are driven at more than half their fast, fastest speed. More than half their fastest So their fastest speed must be around 40. There you go. Like I said, not my wheelhouse. It comes after trials of the vehicles had to be suspended from the November 20 to March of this year after it was found troops had suffered swollen joints and, <laughs> and tinnitus while being inside the vehicles. Seriously? In a government report seen by the Telegraph, it states that the safety limitations on the tanks include speed restrictions of 20 miles an hour as well as limiting time in the platform to one, um, one hour and 30 minutes before... A crew change? Well, that's going to be handy in a war, isn't it? <laughs> there's, not, there's enough soldiers in the British Army to fucking operate this. This fleet of tanks. A report warns that due to speed restrictions, which are understood to be caused by design flaws... <laughs> no way! I don't believe it! Design flaws! ...that have resulted in excessive vibrations that can prevent <laughs> cannons from being fired on the move... The, he the Household Cavalry Regiment cannot conduct effective collective training on the platform. Meanwhile, it states that due to safety limitations, the current design means the vehicle cannot reverse over an obstacle more than... <laughs> cannot reverse over an obstacle more than 20 centimetres high. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have a two-year-old... Two two-year-olds in my house, they could can, they can reverse over an obstacle more than 20 centimetres high. 
The report, which is due to be published next month, but is understood to have been seen by the military of defence, adds, The review team were told there is a real risk exposing the field army to the platforms in their current condition will <laughs> undermine their confidence in the Ajax. You don't say. Fuck me. Imagine that. So, it can't go over 20 miles an hour. You can't fire the cannon in reverse. No, you can't fire the cannon. What does it say about the cannon? No, you, you can't reverse over an obstacle more than 20 centimetres high. You can't go over 20 miles an hour. You've got to change the crew every 90 minutes. And excessive vibrations prevent the cannons from being fired on the move. So you have to stop to fire the cannons. And it will undermine their confidence in the tank. They said. Fuck me, really? All soldiers who currently operate inside the tank must now have an ear test and wear noise-cancelling headsets. In a war? I, I, I imagine that's going to not be good. However, it is understood the problems with vibration and noise levels were reported as early as 2017. One defence source claimed that the army is so embarrassed about having to admit it, admit it's failed, they won't do it. The MOD said it is committed to the AJAX programme, which will form a key component in the army's modernised war-fighting division. Fuck me. With current plans for initial operating for its scheduled deployment this summer? How the fuck are they going to do it? However, only 14 of the Turtless Ares variant, which are manufactured by General Dynamics, the, Ma- the American Aerospace and Defence Company, have been so far delivered. The programme to deliver a new family of armoured fighting vehicles was decided in 2010 with 589 different variants of the vehicle ordered in 2014. Plenty of money for tanks. Plenty of money for tanks. The vision was for the tanks to replace the combat vehicle reconnaissance tracked armoured fighting vehicle, but it has been plagued by... I don't know what any of that means. Been plagued by problems ever since and is four years behind schedule to be deployed. Francis Tussa, editor editor of Defence Analysis, said the Army and the MOD have got to realise they've got a problem on their hands. No fucking shit, Francis. Throwing money at this is what they've done for the last four years and they've not solved any of the problems. At the moment, the Ajax is a poster child for failed procurement. Tobias Elwood, chairman of the Commons Defence Select Committee, added that the MOD's land warfare procurement has been appalling and the Ajax is the icing on the cake. He told the Telegraph it is the programme everybody anticipated to be cut off in the integrated integrated defence review, given the cost overruns and constant redesign, resulting in a tank so heavy it can't be airlifted by any RAF transporter without taking chunks off it. At 43 tonnes, it's heavier than any tank. Holy... Any tank in the Second World War. Fuck me. This is the stupidest thing I've ever fucking read. An MOD spokesman confirmed some training on the Ajax family of vehicles was paused as a precautionary measure. This is a normal measure for the demonstration phase of projects. An investigation incorporating trials has been carried out jointly due to the health and safety of our personnel is most... It's amazing, isn't it? Something that's designed to do one thing, kill people. The health and safety of our personnel is of the utmost importance. So, let's go through this. £3.5 billion for a tank. 500 tanks. 
Now, I don't know if that represents good value for money or not. First of all, well, it doesn't because you have to get them first. If you don't get them, there's no... So it's 43 tonnes. First of all, it's 43 tonnes, so it's heavier than any tank in Second World War. That's really bizarre because they use modern building methods now, don't they? Modern materials and carbon fibres. And, you know, not everything's made of metal now. You know, Not all parts of... Those tanks in, in, in World War Two. they're just iron and steel. And this is heavier in 2021 with the modern manufacturing methods and, well, bizarre. The, and then they can't get it in a fucking plane. You'd have thought that would have been one of the first things they'd have done. Right, lads? What's the parameters here? What, what, what sizes are we working with and what, what, how do we... How do we get the tank to the battlefield? In a plane. What size is the plane? It's this big. Okay, we make the tank fit in the plane. Genius. So. It doesn't go over. It doesn't go over 20 mile an hour. It can kill the crew. It can, it can vibrate the crew to death. You can't fire the cannon while it's moving. And it, it won't reverse over something 20, 20 centimetres. I mean, 20 centimetres is this. That's like a that's like a, a step, a heavy curb. Like, you, you see curbs out in the road. I'm going onto the footpath. 20 centimetres high. That's fucking insane. That is just an incompetence. I'm going to stay on top of this story to see how we get on with this fucking stupid tank. But what this really represents, and this is the problem, it represents uh, wasteful public spending. And we're going through so much of this at the minute. We know this. Michael Gove today, it, it was announced today that he awarded a friend of his, I haven't, I haven't stayed on top of the story, but he awarded a friend of his uh, a, f- a half a million pound contract when they were having out, handing out these PPE uh, contracts, and they they said yeah it was it was illegal and he shouldn't have done it, and that's it. He doesn't get any. There's no punishment. There'd be punishment for you. You did anything like that? If I did anything like that? If I did anything like this with this fucking tank? Believe you me, we would be punished for it. Not that we would get anywhere near anything like that, but whatever. You fuck up that that big in your job, whatever it is you do, you're for you're fucked. These people are fucked. They only ever get promoted up. Uh, what what is it? I always say says you can lie, steal, cheat, and even kill at the behest of the establishment. The worst thing that's ever going to happen to you. Is you're, you'll only get promoted sidewards, and all you have to do is keep your mouth shut, and that's it. So, <clears throat> very disappointed in that. So, because it represents the waste of money, I don't give a fuck about tanks. Fucking MOD. Fucking Dad's Army. So, there's a journalist here. Move on to the next story. I want to. So, 
There's a journalist here in the north of Ireland called Susan McKay. And a very good journalist she is too. And she recently wrote a book. The title of which escapes me. But it is, it's going, you're going to hear the mention of it in this little piece of video that I'm going to play you. And she, I picked this little video up on just, well, it just dropped into my feed. I think it was on YouTube. It was from France 24. And she talks, and it, the reason I wanted to bring it up with you, I'm fucking sick of listening to people that don't live here talking about this place as if it's on fire. It is not. There's nothing happening. There was a protest at the weekend. There was 800 people. Apparently there was supposed to be 4,000. There was only 800 turned up. Go on about food shortages. There are no food shortages. And when you hear the politicians and then some members of the media class repeating and amplifying these these stories, you do have to question you do have to question their motivation. I mean, as again, as that old Sun Tzu saying, the evil enemy will burn his own country to the ground to rule over the ashes. And the, the current incarnation of the DUP and unionism and loyalism, I think, fit that description. And that's what it is. And I think they're, they're trying to make it out as though there's something going on here that isn't going on. There's nothing happening. There are a few people that are very upset. Absolutely. But you gotta you gotta bear in mind why they're upset. They're, they they manoeuvred themselves down this this cul-de-sac that they found themselves trapped in. They did it. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. Sinn Fein didn't do it, although fucking Leo Varadkar certainly didn't do it. The European Union didn't do it. Everybody tried to warn them. They wouldn't fucking listen. As I, as I keep... Even worse, they mocked you if you did warn them. Called you names. You go back and listen to my podcast and I say, oh, I, I don't want I don't want to mock. I don't, I, I don't want my unhappy, unhappy neighbours. I want happy neighbours. So... The, the reason that I'm going to show you this is because this is what Susan McKay says and this is a part of what her book is. So she gets interviewed on France 24. So I'll play you this video. I might stop it if I want to jump in. It's time now for perspective. Loyalists in Northern Ireland have vowed to escalate protests against the Northern Irish Protocol during traditional summer protest season. Since Brexit, many unionists feel they're being cut off from the rest of the United Kingdom. The main unionist party, the DUP, says they're right to be angry. Its new leader, Edwin Poot, says Northern Ireland is being used as a plaything by the European Union and that Brussels is harming every individual that lives there. Now, that's an accusation that the EU hotly rejects. Northern Protestants on Shifting Ground is the title of a new book by award-winning journalist Susan McKay, who that joins us now Sorry, to give us her view on the situation in Northern Ireland. Thank you so much for being with us on France 24 today. 
Now, your book, if I understand uh, correctly, consists of 100 uh, interviews with uh, Protestants in Northern Ireland. Could you please start by giving us a flavour of what people have been telling you when it comes to how they see Northern Ireland today and where they hope it's headed? Well, I should start by saying that the, the story which you've told, which is the story emanating from the DUP, the leading party, um, isn't one that I found to be true. Um, I found that the majority of Protestant people that I spoke to were quite calm about Northern Ireland. Um, they weren't angry about the protocol. In fact, the protocol, which is the part of the Brexit agreement, which has really stirred up a lot of this trouble. Um, <clears throat> a lot of business people are saying, well, look, we, we didn't want Brexit. 58% of people in Northern Ireland voted to remain in the European Union. But the DUP insisted upon it and insisted upon a very hard form of Brexit. And that is what has left us in this difficult situation. But um... And you, you mustn't lose sight of that. The DUP have manoeuvred unionism, as I said, into this dead end. Their alternative was a hard border on the island of Ireland. So go, that's going back pre-Good Friday Agreement. So they were prepared to gamble with all our lives in order to get what they wanted. And they lost. We didn't vote for Brexit. We voted against Brexit. We're getting it rammed down our throats whether we like it or not. And the Northern Ireland Protocol is the answer, not the, par the problem. It's the answer to the, the question of Brexit. It's not the problem. So there's only so much sympathy you can have. As I said, I don't, I'm not mocking and I'm not being triumphalist and I'm not being boo-booing up you and all the rest of it. I'm not doing that, although it was done to the rest of us by them. I'm not going to do that. But I will say this, you were wrong. You lost. You're giving the people of this country what they don't want. Manufacturing in Northern Ireland is, is getting all these inquiries every day. And manufacturing Northern Ireland has reported that they're getting... You can't get fucking warehousing space in Belfast for loving their money, apparently. So, the majority of the people in the north of Ireland do not want this. We didn't want Brexit. And we do want the protocol. And we don't want what the loyalists are trying to ram down our throats. But it's not the same place anymore. Loyalism and unionism is still living in this, this, this mindset that it's their country and they own it. Are we country? That's what that means for them, not me. It's theirs, not mine. The Good Friday Agreement changed all that. Consent of everyone was what determined the outcomes on this in this place. And they don't like it. And they tried to hitch their wagon to the psycho Brexiteers which they did, but that meant us as well. And then the psycho Brexiteers just abandoned them, and now they're out there crying, going on something. But what is it going on about at the minute? Something about fucking sausages? Fuck off. Anyway, sorry. On with the interview. 
the, the view that the DUP is putting out is that there is this generation of furious, raging, young um, unionist people who are not going to stand for this situation and are going to fight. And I didn't really find there to be any evidence of that at all. And there hasn't been any evidence in recent weeks. We had a few minor riots in April, which very quickly petered out because there just wasn't the communal energy to keep them going. So what I found was people so are in... What, that's an important... I find that to be very interesting, uh, a very interesting point that she made. The riots that happened at Easter, as she said, they petered out. They didn't go anywhere. There's not enough interest in it by the people that are supposed to be interested in us. Enjoying the peace. Um, a lot of people want to remain within the union with the United Kingdom, but they aren't happy with the current um, unionist leadership. Um, for example, a lot of people in Northern Ireland have become um, much more... Um, socially progressive. They support a woman's right to choose abortion. They support same-sex marriage. And these are things which the um, Democratic Unionist Party vehemently opposes on religious grounds. So um, in some ways, the DUP is panicking, I think, because they see that they, they no longer have a majority in the government within Northern Ireland. Um, a recent opinion poll showed them considerably behind the Republican Party, Sinn Féin, and it's quite likely that um, Sinn Féin will, become, will take the first ministry at the next election here, which will be possibly next year. Um, and then you've also got the fact that the Protestant community is now in a minority. Um, there will be a census results come out this year, which will show that it's become significantly more a minority. So in some ways... In some ways, this is to do with the fact that the Democratic Unionist Party is facing into an election in which it feels it is probably going to do quite badly. And do you think the DUP is losing uh, touch with its base or are there still people who are staunchly pro this more conservative stance for the DUP in Northern Ireland? Um, people vote along sectarian lines largely in Northern Ireland. Well, 50% of the people don't vote at all, which is, should worry any of the democratic parties. But um, <clears throat> yes, um, what's happening is that more and more people are going towards the Alliance Party, which is a sort of in-between party, which is neither for the Union nor for United Ireland. Um, but um, the DUP is definitely afraid that it is losing voters to a more hardline, small unionist party and also to other parties. And meanwhile, of course, the main Republican party, Sinn Féin, is pushing for another referendum on the reunification of the island of Ireland. If there was a referendum on a united Ireland, how That's do you right, think yeah. that would be received? Well, at the moment, the polls are showing that it would be lost. But I think that there is a growing momentum towards it as it becomes apparent that the unionist parties are falling apart. I mean, this is this is the centenary of the foundation of the Northern Irish state. There were supposed to be celebrations instead of which the Democratic Unionist Party has just sort of gone to war with itself. It's just ousted its leader of the past number of years, Arlene Foster, and appointed someone who is quite unpopular in the party, a man called Edwin Poots, who is a, a very fundamentalist Christian. Um, but most of the people that I spoke to when I was writing my book on Shifting Ground uh, were 
you know, not all that uncomfortable about the notion of a border poll because they are democratic. They've seen the benefits of, of um, the peace, which we got in 1998 with the Good Friday Agreement. And quite a few people said to me, well, I'd rather stay within the United Kingdom, but if a majority vote for uh, a united Ireland, I could live with that. And I think that's much more in keeping with the actual mood of the people. There really isn't. I think the DUP is very much hyping up this notion that we really need to um, be very, very cautious uh, and not have a border poll uh, because of this anger among uh, young unionists. And my sense among young unionists is is that they are not angry in that way. They're angry about other things like uh, poverty and lack of um, rights and all kinds of social issues like that. But Northern Ireland has really changed. One of the main things that I saw was that a lot of younger people um, don't actually identify according to their religion at all anymore. They don't, they don't even know whether their friends are Catholic or Protestant. And uh, as I say, many of them are now voting for progressive parties that don't actually define themselves according to whether we're united with the United Kingdom or with the rest of Ireland. Susan McKay, a fascinating stuff. I'm sure we could continue for a lot longer, but we have run out of time. Uh, Susan McKay, award-winning journalist, a commentator and author of Northern Protestants on Shifting Ground. Thank you very much for speaking. There you to- go. Northern Protestants on Shifting Ground is the name of the, the book that she wrote, which I haven't, ever, I haven't read. I'm going to get it, though. I have a, book, I have a list, um, a bookmark to buy. Yeah, um, so... I find what she said very interesting, and I, and I, and I agree with it in as in as so much as I'm, I'm, I'm qualified to agree. Uh, I don't know, as an observer, the the state of Northern Ireland that's being portrayed on in the media doesn't exist. It's it's not like that. There there are no food shortages. There's no panicking. There's no. There's, there's nothing but people are trying to there's an election next year I've said this before there's an election next year this is electioneering by the DUP they will literally set this country on fire in order to maintain their dominance uh, so that's what this is and I wish more people would speak up I follow a few commentators on on YouTube and they, they put a, they're very sympathetic to Northern Ireland and but they're compl- they're all over the fucking place. They're guilty of <laughs> they've goodwill, but they're guilty of not understanding that they're being lied to. They don't get that they're being lied to, and they are being lied to. I never got a chance to throw this story up, or otherwise I would have. But they're, I mean, this went out this afternoon um, the EU is considering introducing checks between the Republic of Ireland and the rest of the United, of the EU the emphatic the emphatic resp- this is the rumour that was going around today and this is all bullshit but the emphatic response from the EU uh, EU officials said a load of shite and EU leaders will not allow the former coloniser to force Ireland out of the internal market an, an EU diplomat said 
The article is simply not true, says Maros Safkovich of the report that the EU officials and diplomats were considering imposing checks between the Republic and the rest of the EU. Now, that's obviously come from the UK. That's come from, I don't know if it's come from Whitehall or wherever, but it's come from there. The idea that the EU would impose those checks on one of its own member states, one of its own member states, it... It means that you don't understand what the EU is, but it's get, but it'll get put out there. And what is they say? The, the 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 lie, a lie has spread around the world a hundred times before the truth has got its treasures on. And that's the situation with us. So that goes out. The Brexiteers, the the unionists and the loyalists that will cling to this as if it's true. You know, look at the EU. And you'll 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 hear this getting thrown up in the news reports. Despite the fact that it's obviously not true. I don't even need to read the article. I will read the article because it's by Naomi O'Leary, who is uh, one of my... She's a fantastic journalist. She works for the Irish Times. Can you see that? She works for the Irish Times and she does a great podcast called The Irish Passport. And I will read it because it's her. But I don't need to because I know it's not true because that's not how the EU operates. That's not what the EU does. This is the world we're living in. Half truths. So I'm going to read now. So I watched that uh, news report from Susan McKay. That was excellent. I like that. Uh, then I picked up this a few days later. And it was the same Susan McKay. Just tidy that up, make it nice and tidy on the screen. Can you hear the birds tweeting in the background? Isn't that lovely? We're very lucky here, loads of birds. So the same Susan McKay wrote this article and went into the Irish Times. And it's 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 called Loyalists Marching On From Century to Century. So, I'll read it for you. It's not too long. The new DUP leader, Edwin Poots said in his, in his inaugural address that history shows when unionism's back is against the wall, it comes out fighting. He was speaking metaphorically. He was speaking metaphorically, but I, and I tried to get his speech because his speech was terrible. It was just full of fighting and war and, and it, 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 just, it, just as negative language. There was no sharing and making things, there's no positivity, there's no good vibes about this speech, it was just all negative, worry, worry, worry shit. Metaphorically. But that shows you where the man's head is. But anyway, so, onwards. It ter- takes a certain le- certain level of thrainness, I think that's an Ulster Scots word, isn't it? Thrain. To adapt a balaclava so that your mouth and nose are both on display. But the boyos that stomped grimly through Portadown last Saturday with paramilitary flags in hand, would take no lectures on the aerosol transmission of a deadly virus from anyone. (laughs) Would take no lectures from anyone on anything. These men just march on from century to century. These are the bleary boys, described by a local squire in 1795 as stout fellows, somewhat lawless, but in the matter of loyalty, not to be outdone. The message is always the same. The unionist people have been betrayed. Every man must stand against this outrage. 
This particular 21st century demonstration had been promoted by its organisers as the biggest protest yet in the series that have been taking place in loyalist heartlands in the last months since Brexit. Though the root cause of the Northern Ireland Protocol is never mentioned, they had predicted a crowd of 4,000 or more, at most 800 showed up, and that included families. The helicopter was overhead. I walked up the street on which loyal I walked up the street on which loyalists kicked young Robert Hamill to death in 1997. I remember it well. This is me talking now. I remember it well. Anyone around here does. And the first person I recognised was someone who had been questioned about the murder of another of the local Catholics who died during those awful summers of orange men demanding the right to walk the Queen's Highway via their local Catholic area. That would have been um, Drum Cree. Ian Paisley Sr. had declared that the same battle has to be fought today as in the 18th century. I saw a woman I remembered, a friend of the late paramilitary leader, Billy Wright. She shooed me away. There was a placard outside an off-license offering two bottles of Buckfast for £12. Among the Ulster flags and Union Jack flags on the main street, I saw one Israeli one. Which you do. You do see, I mean, you do see that, obviously, if you're from here, you know. In the local, the, the Republican uh, memorial just down the street. It's not actually at the Republican memorial, but... Just down the road, there's a re- the Republican, um, there's Republican flags and whatever, and they, they took down the tricolor and put up the Palestinian flag. So that does happen. So the speeches had started beside the statue of Co- Colonel Edward Sanderson, who, as an Armagh MP, declared in 1893, Home Rule may pass this house, but it will never pass the bridge at Portadown. At Drumcree, I heard men say, if we're bait at Portadown, we're bait. It was easy to find a socially distanced space in the crowd, because when people saw my notebook, they moved away. A young woman was speaking. She said, the border should be on the frontier. When she said, we're a law-abiding people, and asked, why should we get criminal records? The man behind me got angry. Ah, here we go, one of them said. We've heard all this before, said another. Third man shouted, give us an alternative. It began to rain and a man hunched on a bench pulled his flag over his head like a cape. It had a painting of the Ulster Division that fought in the 1916 Battle of the Somme on it. Moore Holmes, a Belfast teacher who was one of the leading lights of the so-called anti-betrayal act rallies that failed to drum up Unionist unity, in the run-up to Westminster election of 2019, said he had been six years old when the Belfast Agreement was signed. Since 1998, it's hard to find a unionist who thinks it has it has delivered for our community, he said. There were cheers. One of the men behind me shouted, it's dead. The final speaker said that people were mobilising all over Ulster. Who are these people? The same who shut the gates of Derry. That was 1689. This is what we're talking about here. Who signed the Ulster Covenant? That was in 1912. Be prepared at short notice to be called upon to defend Ulster against the protocol, he concluded. This is what these fuckers are talking about. This is where their heads are. One of the men behind me tapped me on the shoulder. We are prepared to give you an exclusive interview, he said. 
And so, as the bands marched off with flutes and drums playing the old tunes, I heard how there was a new breed of young loyalists, that men with big cars were pledging money for guns, that they wouldn't rule out an attack on Dublin, and that Billy Wright's vision was the right one. How Republican demands were insatiable, and we have nothing more to give. The Irish Language Act would trample loyalists into the ground. How? How the fuck would it? They keep saying these things, and they never offer any any evidence. Everything about the Northern Irish Protocol the, 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 that we have in place but to, as an, a solution to Brexit, they're complaining about it and crying about it and moaning about it, but they never offer a solution. Doug Beatty came out with some stuff the other week, and it's full of shit. I'll go through that. The man wrapped in the Ulster Division flag came over and was introduced as an ex-prisoner. Us loyalists have been too law-abiding, he told me. Another man said the Jackal's lieutenant had told him this is worth dying for. The Jackal was the sectarian killer and police informer Robin, Robin Jackson. The Stonyford-based orange man Mark Harbinson, a serial predictor of Armageddon, came over and greeted me genially. Since I saw him last, he served time for the sexual abuse of a 13-year-old girl. Walking back to the car, I passed through the thicket of anti-abortion processors with their obscene posters of mutilated fetuses. A preacher set up a PA system and began to warn loudly that we were all going to hell. Fuck me. That's grim as fuck, isn't it? That is as grim... An article I've read about what's going on here in Northern Ireland. And, again, not with everybody. With these fucking halfwits. The British don't want them. The Tories have betrayed them again. How many fucking times does it have to happen before you have a bit of pride to stand on your own two fucking feet? The English don't want you. The Welsh couldn't give a fuck. The Scottish couldn't give a fuck. In fact, they're wondering what the fuck you're doing. Stapled to that fucking sinking ship across. Every fucking MP in England and Scotland and Wales that has a constituency that voted against Brexit have said that they would bite their fucking arm off for the, for, for the, the, the advantages of the Northern Ireland Protocol. A foot in both markets. They say they don't want a foot in both markets. They don't want the Northern Ireland Protocol because they want to be the same as the rest of England and the rest of the UK. But we're not the same as the rest of England and the rest of the UK. No more so than Scotland is the same as England and Wales is the same as Scotland. Everyone's got their own fucking laws. We have ours. We're unique. We're as unique from England as we are from Dublin. As Dublin is from Mayo. As Kerry is from Donegal. We've a lot in common, but we're all different. But one of the things that we do have in common is that the fu- it's time to fucking go. It's time to leave this union. It was time a long time ago, but it's definitely time now. That is the grimmest paragraph I've ever fucking read. 
The Stonyford-based former orange man Mark Harbinson, a serial predictor of Armageddon, and this they all they all have that in common, came over and greeted me genially. Since I saw him last, he has served time for the sexual abuse of a 13-year-old girl. Walking back to the car, I passed through a thicket of anti-abortion protesters with their obscene posters of mutilated fetuses. A preacher set up a PS system and began to warn loudly that we're all going to hell. Fuck me. And by the way, Doug Beatty was at that. He said he was observing. I think that's fair enough that he said he was observing. But he didn't observe the fucking terrorists that were walking around with balaclavas on. Apparently he was observing, but he didn't see that. Aye. Pull the other one, Doug. Right. We're done. No, no, we're not done. Nearly done. So, Paul Given. I'm going to blast through this real quick. So, Paul Given is the new Deputy First Minister. I keep calling him the First Minister. He is the Deputy First Minister. We have two First Ministers. We have the First Minister and we have the Deputy First Minister. Or deputy to the first minister. We office joke there. So, the DUP leader, so this is an article in the journal.ie. I'm not going to read it all. The DUP leader, Edwin Boots, has announced that Lagan Valley MLA, Paul Given, Given, is to replace Arlene Foster as Northern Ireland's new first minister. Boots unveiled the new, unveiled the new team during a series of announcements in the Great Hall at Stormont today. The new ministers will take up their posts on Monday, revealing Given as the First Minister-designate. Poots paid tribute to Arlene Foster, thanking her for her excellent work. Given says, there's a huge responsibility, blah, blah, blah. Poots also named Gary Middleton, someone I'd never heard of. I'm going to just scan through this, because it gets... There we go, there's the good bit. Outgoing Stormont Economy Minister Diane Dodds has expressed... Disappointment in the new ministerial appointments announced by the DUP leader Edwin Poots. Edwin Poots is very, very unpopular with a certain section of. He's a very divisive. But, you know, Diane Dodds is a fucking idiot. There I said it. So she is. But she's not a fundamentalist. These people are fundamental. And they are fundamentalist. Um, in a tweet which has been retweeted by former DUP leader Arlene Foster and former leadership contender J- Sir Geoffrey Don- Donaldson, again, Sir Jeff, another fucking slimy bastard, but he's not a psycho-fundamentalist. Might be a psycho in other ways. Dodds described the makeup of the appointments as regrettable. It is regrettable, however, that the new team announced today does not match the rhetoric about healing and bringing the party together, Dodds tweeted. Edwin Poots was later asked about the negative reaction of the outgoing economy minister, Diane Dodds. I accept Diane probably isn't in the best place today, he said. I have been in that circumstance twice before. We have been a minister and asked to step aside. <clears throat> so it was a natural reaction. However, Pooch said it was inaccurate to claim his team was only made up of his supporters. That is not true. The team includes people who didn't vote for me. Hmm. Poots rejected allegations made by some resigning DUP members. This is all about Poots. I wanted to get to... Given. 
Uh, well, well, it's not in there, but I'll tell you about him. I thought it was in there. I screwed that one up. So, given, Paul given, when the storm at the assembly collapsed in 2016, I think it was, was it? No. When the fuck was it? Can't remember. Martin McGuinness was alive. He was a deputy first. He was a deputy first minister at the time. The straw that broke the camel's back. <coughs> pardon me. There was a grant to be awarded to a community organisation called LIFA. LIFA is an Irish language uh, organisation, and they send uh, underprivileged people, kids mostly. I think exclusively to the guild talk to, to, to learn Irish. Leafa means fluent in Irish. So they've always had this grant. It was a grant of 50 grand or something like that. And some, oh, I get the detail. I'm not, I'm not completely, I'm just, this is, this is from memory. It was like a few days before the Christmas break. Storming closed for Christmas. And this is, he dropped this. And at the but at the same time that he dropped it, so they were get, so they were supposed to get fifty five thousand. They couldn't get it. They, he didn't get. He, he he denied it. He said no. There's no no budget for it. He was the finance minister. Paul Given. I'm talking about the current now the first minister. He at the same time not given Leifa the grant money. Give the same amount of money to an orange band, I believe, for uniforms and instruments. Okay, so I remember that very clearly at the time. Well, I remember I remember that at the time, but the thing that I remember clearly, and this is this is the thing that I, I'll never forget: the denying of that grant to the, to, to Leifa, because the Irish Language Act was supposed to have been in place already. It hasn't been happening. The DUP has been blocking it. The denying of the grant to Leifa was the straw that broke the camel's back. I remember hearing audio. Somebody recorded it on their phone. There was a meeting in North Belfast and Martin McGuinness, it was a community meeting and people were shouting at the room, at the, from the back of the room, bring it down, bring it down. And Martin McGuinness was trying to calm everybody. And what they were saying was bring down Stormont, walk out over the grant. But it wasn't over the grant. It was The grant was the final straw. It was, it was unionism displaying its arrogance and dominance over non-unionists in the way that they do. I remember that. So Paul Given was the minister. Now he was told... He was told, yeah, he was told that it was a bad idea to deny that grant. As he said that he was told by his, his, his civil servants, it's a, it's a, that's dodgy, you shouldn't do that. Did it anyway. Again, fundamentalists, these people are fundamentalists. Did it anyway. Then a week or two later had the, had the rule it back and said, oh, I've got the money for it, but the damage had been done. He couldn't put that genie back in the bottle. So that's who he is. This is a very, very bad move for unionism, I think. Again, 
unionism lurching is lurching from one fucking disaster to the next and they don't seem to be they don't seem to be capable of of any alternative really I mean Doug Beatty's not impressing me not that he's I mean I'm a nationalist why would he impress me but I'm going to I'm going to give him a couple of weeks just to see but there's been a few things he's done that I'm, I'm, I'm like nope but We'll see. So that's who Paul Given is. It's not going. This is bad. It's it's again bad for unionism, not for me. As a nationalist, bad for some of my neighbours, because I have to live in this island and this place with people that don't we don't agree. So it's bad for us. You know, it's not ideal. It's not a good situation. You don't want. You don't want that. I remember. I remember. Um, there was. There was a documentary, and I think it might have been Louis Theroux or someone like that, and he was doing a documentary on the American prison system, which is fucking grim. And <clears throat> he went and visited uh, a prison warder, a pr- governor in Sweden, to compare the two systems. And they showed you the complete difference. I mean, it's it's inhumane what they do to prisoners in most countries, but in America... As, is, is one of those countries that doesn't do it right Sweden being a bit more egalitarian ha, and has a humanitarian approach to these things they look after the prisoners quite well so much as you can be looked after when you've got your liberty removed from you but they look after them and they try to rehabilitate, rehabilitate them they work very hard to rehabilitate them and the governor of the the governor of the jail was asked by through you know, why are you... Because he was quite evangelical about his job. He was very... He said, this is important work. And he said, why are you so... Um, so determined to do, to do this work? He said, well, it's quite simple. He says, this man might get out of jail and he may move next door to me. These people need to be rehabilitated. They need to go back out into society. So we have to do that. So in that, with that aspect, that's why I can't get too, I can't get too uppity, if for want of a better word, about unionism's current state, which looks like, you know, unionism looks like it might be, it's on it's in a death throes at the minute, because we still have to live with these with the people that adhere to this ideology of this political movement no matter what happens so it's not going to do any of us any good if we just tell everybody shut the fuck up like they do but they're wrong so why should we copy them if they're wrong you don't copy wrong you copy right don't you so that's that one more wee thing going to end this very soon by the way, if you're watching, if you're still watching, like, share, subscribe, do the whole thing. I'm trying to build up this wee channel. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. As you know, I'm a musician, right? Andy, that's in the Bonnevilles, that's my band. Where is it? Down there. No, where? Look on the screen. There we go. These guys. That's me. So, I haven't worked since last March. Actually, before, because we hadn't had any gigs. 
and being completely honest with you now it's been very tight it's been hard financially um so much so i i don't even want to say it but i have to go and look for other work i have a gig this month i'll read this article i'm hoping that the gig's going to go ahead and with a gig next month, I hope it's going, but I gig a month, I can't live on that. With a tour booked for March. What if this, what if it doesn't happen? What if none of these things happen? I, I can't. We never thought when we started this that we were going to be here a year, a year and a half later with no work. But we are. That's the reality. So I think I'm applying for a taxi driver license. I, mean, I, could, be, I could be your local taxi driver. I don't mind that because it's kind of you are self-employed and you can work your own hours and that's handy it means that I haven't written if I go and get a see if I go and get a a proper full-time job doing something not that I'm qualified to do anything other than music but there is no music work if I went and got a proper full-time job I would have to write the music off because I would have to then go and ask a boss can I do this and can I do that and I don't work like that it's not the my brain is not like that so I'm going so basically I think I'm going to have to go and I've applied I'm, a, I'm in the process of applying I have to go and do a test get a few few things done and I think I'm going to do that I hope it works I don't know I really don't know so there we go. What a what a want is for us to be able to gig again, and for me to go back out in the road again, and for me to scrape by that way rather than scrape by some other way. Sure, right here we go. So this is an article from the BBC. We short one. We shorty. It's only a paragraph. The communities minister has said she is hopeful live music can resume in Northern Ireland before the end of June. Deirdre Hargy said she's looking at an indicative date of indicative it sounds dirty wash your mouth indicative date of the 21st of June that date needs to be approved during a review of COVID-19 restrictions by Stormont Ministers this week Mrs Hargy also said she hoped the 500 person cap on outdoor gatherings can be removed and replaced with risk assessments I think that's what, what they're doing in the rest of the UK so they just do a risk assessment based on the, the space. No live music is permitted in pubs and clubs under current COVID regulations. Arts, music, culture, heritage has been hit hard by the pandemic. Many venues closed to audiences since March. Hit hard. That is the understatement of the year. Believe you me, when I say we've been hit hard, we've been fucking crucified. And that's not hyperbole. Risk assessments are being used to determine capacity for venues hosting weddings, funerals and other outdoor gatherings for fewer than 500 people, but more than 30. Mrs. Hargy told the BBC's Evening Extra programme that the indicative 21st of June date is predicted on the health advice. So I'm working that we can have live music back in venues as soon as possible. She added that the indoor events would maintain a level of social distancing, but that she was hopeful that we can look at the cap as part of this for the outdoor gatherings 
I am looking as part of this package of relaxations. If the health advice follows it, uh, allows it, we can lift that cap as well. A promoter for the outdoor music festival, Belsonic, said the cap on outdoor gatherings has to be revised so outdoor music events can be economically viable. We have run concerts at Custom House Square in August and then some of the Balsonic concerts have been rescheduled until September. If you don't have any social distancing measures in place, it doesn't really add up. In terms of Northern Ireland, I haven't heard a figure, but I think it's understood that that 500 figure would need to increase. Some plays, live music performance exhibitions resumed in England and Wales and Scotland on the 17th of May. And I know that a few of my musician friends are a bit pissed off about that because the rest of the UK has um, has been getting on with it and we haven't and I don't know what the answer is because it's not my you have to you have to uh, you have to listen to the, to, the, to the experts and trust the people that are in charge I mean, there's no, I really don't know I don't know is that the right thing to do I don't know is, is England, Wales and Scotland are they going to regret that I don't know only one way to find out, I suppose. I don't want to be selfish. I don't think it's going to be do any good to open up venues and have gigs and then have to shut them down again. So I don't know. I know what I want. But I don't know what's best. It's been tough. But see if it does open. You know that I'm a part of this little black cat club. Um, well, co-op is essentially really what it is, I suppose, because there's, there's four or five. There's myself and my lovely Janie. There's Richie and Lisa, McGee and Mickey Bartlett as our comedy liaison dude. And we have a venue here in town, and we've sent a message to the venue owner, and he said, "Listen, just wait until the the house on the hill give us the advice." And until then, there's no point. We, we can't. There's no point in talking. There's nothing we can do. As soon as they give, as soon as we get the advice, we'll be we'll know whether we can open that venue up, and we really hope we can. We'll find out soon. We really need to get. I need. I need to go out that gig. I need to. I need to go and get a bit fucked up. I'm not joking. I want to go and get hot and sweaty at a club. I want to play a rock and roll guitar and break strings and go fucking mental. Oh. There we go. All done. So, hope you enjoyed that. I'll drop this as a podcast. As I said, you can watch this over on the YouTubes. Um, Like, share, subscribe. Subscribe to the channel on the YouTube. I'd really appreciate that if you would. If you would drop in on the, the live stream. You can throw a wee chat down there. There's a wee chat window. There's only four or five or half a dozen people watching. But this is only the second week I've done this. But... And I'm, you know, I don't have much time to promote shit. <laughs> but so you're you're gonna have to do that for me. That's what you have to do. I really need you to do that. So there we go, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast live stream. Sorry, I'll I'll render the audio down out of this and uh, drop it as a podcast. So you should have that in your podcast thingy in the morning. Is that it? Is that it? Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Jerry, no problem, brother. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, 
so yeah so yeah so that's me I'm done I'm gonna say goodnight uh, I think I'm gonna have a beer Catches on the flip side, everybody. Don't forget, like, share, subscribe. Do all the good things.